Welcome to episode five of Dirt Track Weekly. I'm your host, Kyle Simons. Last week, we talked about the need for racetracks to be efficient in how they run their programs and broke down Illinois Speed Week. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, you can check it out in the archives. This week, we're going to talk about tracks using social media correctly. Let's get to it. This week's race of the week is the All-Star Circuit of Champions race from Weed Sport that saw Corey Eliason take the lead from Matt Farnham with five laps remaining to pick up the win. You can check out the highlights on the All-Star Racing and Flow Racing YouTube pages. Early on Monday, the American Sprint Car Series announced that their events would no longer be offered on Flow Racing. Not sure whose call this is exactly. The ASCS said that they were working to rectify the situation as soon as possible. Flow Racing has been moving away from some of its lower performing events. Monday night, Illinois Speed Week wrapped up with the completion of the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series program that was rained out at Farmer City the previous Friday. And Brandon Shepard charged from his 14th place starting position to pick up the win. Gordy Gundacker led the first half of the race and held on for a second place finish. Also on Monday, it was announced that Buddy Kofoid would be piloting the Indy Race Parts number 71 machine that Corey Eliason just left for the High Limit Sprint Car Series event at Wayne County. I had predicted in last week's episode that this is where Kofoid would most likely end up. Buddy has had a lot of success in that car in the past, and it will be interesting to see what kind of a schedule they have in that car moving forward. Tuesday night, the High Limit Sprint Car Series was in action at Wayne County for 32,000 to win, and Kyle Larson picked up a dominant victory. The win was Larson's first with High Limit of what I'm sure will be many. Justin Sanders, Justin Peck, Brian Brown, who started 25th, and Rico Abreu rounded out the top five. Even though he wrecked late in the event, I was impressed with, I was impressed with young Chase Randall. He's really looked strong at the last couple High Limit events, and I would expect big things from him in the future. And Randall, on Sunday, picked up the victory in the season opener at Houston's. It was also his first career 410 sprint victory. It was interesting to see the Buddy Kofoid and Corey Eliason make contact that took Eliason out of the race, and they've recently switched rides. Also Tuesday night, Hudson O'Neill won a thriller of a Flow Racing Night in America feature from Marshalltown. The victory was O'Neill's second straight win with the Tour, and he's also won the Tour event at Marshalltown last season during his time with Double Down Motorsports. Bobby Pierce, Brandon Overton, Ricky Thornton Jr., and Tim Creedy rounded out the top five. O'Neill has really been impressive this season. The Rocket House car is without question the best car in the country right now, and I will admit I did not think that O'Neill would have this much success in that car. Brandon Shepard left big shoes to fill, but right now O'Neill is filling them very well. Wednesday morning, the news came out that stick signals to drivers will not be permitted during this year's Dirt Late Model Dream at Eldora. This is huge news as lately there has been kind of a push from some people to get rid of stick signals. There have been a few races that haven't been as good as they could have been this season due to drivers being moved up or down the track based on what the crew is telling them. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I personally think it's better for the racing as a whole and we'll take stick signals out of the equation when it comes to moving drivers up and down the track based on the fast line currently at that point in time in the race. There's been plenty of late model shows that have been ruined from a fan's perspective based on stick signals. If you want to win at Eldora this year, you will have to be the best car and driver on the track. It will be a disadvantage, though, to be the leader. If someone finds a better line behind them, it will be interesting to see if the driver can move their line from what they hear instead of what their crew is telling them. The Flow Night Show at Marshalltown is an example of what I'm talking about. Hudson O'Neill won the race, but Pierce was absolutely rolling on the high side. Right about the time that Pierce got to O'Neill, he was moved up the track to the top. While it was still a good race, Pierce potentially could have won without stick signals. And it seems like for whatever reason, stick signals from crew members is a thing only with late models and UMP style modifieds. 
You just don't see it in other forms of racing. Wednesday night, Dennis Herb Jr. continued his recent hot streak with a Flow Racing Night in America victory at Davenport. And it wasn't the best version of Davenport that we've seen, as a lot of the final half of the race was around the bottom. Davenport has developed a great reputation in recent years with the quarter-mile configuration as one of the best tracks in the country. Herb bested Hudson O'Neill, Bobby Pierce, Brandon Overton, and Ricky Thornton Jr. Also on Wednesday night, the Short Track Super Series visited Delaware International with Billy Pouch Jr. picking up the win over Alex Jankowski, Matt Shepard, David Schilling, and Ryan Watt. The Short Track Super Series puts on some great midweek racing, but it's nice to see someone in victory lane not named Shepard or Friesen. Those guys have dominated the tour. Friesen was not in attendance on Wednesday, and Shepard had some bad luck, but either way, it's good to see Pouch back in victory lane. Friday night, the World of Outlaw Sprints hit Attica and hustled through the show to beat the rain. The feature was over before 9 o'clock. Donnie Schatz passed Rico Abreu for the lead, coming to two laps to go to pick up the win. Abreu, Carson Macedo, Sheldon Hottenshield, and David Gravel rounded out the top five. The Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series hit 300 raceway, and Ricky Thornton Jr. picked up his fourth series win of the year over Tim McCready and Hudson O'Neill. The World of Outlaw Late Models drew 51 cars to Marion Center in Pennsylvania, with Ryan Gustin picking up the win over Shane Clanton and Brandon Shepard. Zeb Wise returned to action after his Eldora crash with an all-star victory at Outlaw in New York. Parker Price Miller, Tim Schaefer, Tyler Courtney, and Polly Cola Giovanni rounded out the top five. On Saturday, Donnie Schatz and Ricky Thornton Jr. made it weekend sweeps with their respective series. Schatz was the World of Outlaw winner at Sharon, and Thornton won the Lucas Oil Show at 34. And on Sunday, Corey Eliason won his first event with Crouch Motorsports at Wheatsport with the All-Star Circuit Champions and a thrower. Coming up, the World of Outlaw Sprints will race at Atomic on Friday and Saturday with a trip to Lawrenceburg on Monday. The World of Outlaw Late Models race at State Line on Tuesday and Sharon Thursday through Saturday. The Lucas Oil Dirt Series has the Show Me 100 at Lucas Oil Speedway Thursday through Saturday. The All-Star Circuit Champions are at Bridgeport Thursday, Williams Grove Friday, and Port Royal Saturday and Sunday for the Bob Weikert Memorial. Lincoln on Saturday has the Bob Lobby Memorial for 410 Sprints with a Super Late Model event on the card as well. If you have the chance, get out to Port Royal this weekend. They put a ton of effort into promoting this event, and with the tailgate contest, concerts, and other fan events, it's one of the best events of the season. This week, we talk about racetracks using social media correctly. When it comes to this, we've seen both good and bad, but my argument is that the track shouldn't utilize social media of any kind if you're not going to keep it up to date. The past couple of years, I've worked at the Port Royal Speedway on their promotional team, and one of my roles has been helping Justin Snyder with their social media pages. Justin does an excellent job keeping up with the page and also interacting with fans in the comments when they have questions. Port Royal has created graphics that go along with lineups and finishes from every event that is taking place on a given night of racing at the track, and it provides information for the fans throughout the entire night of racing. More tracks need to do this. You have a free advertising tool available at your fingertips where you can promote your product to the masses on a weekly basis. Port Royal is not the only track that does an excellent job with this. They're just the best example I can come up with, given I have helped with the updating of those graphics. Knoxville, Eldora, Williams Grove, Lincoln, and many others do an outstanding job with using social media effectively. Eldora, in particular, does a great job with keeping up with their Snapchat and Instagram stories to keep fans informed there as well. On the other hand, you see a lot of racetracks that haven't updated their social media pages in ages. And if they do, it's simply a graphic listing what's happening at the track that weekend. While that is, in fact, advertising the event, it's not drawing any eyeballs to your product on race day. And I would argue that it's keeping your fans from the stands at the, your facility. We live in a world where information is readily available at your fingertips for everything we could possibly want. 
Because of this, people are not willing to work to find information they're looking for. If they cannot simply find information on your Facebook or Twitter page, then more than likely they aren't going to support the event. They aren't going to go looking for everything they need on your website. You can easily make a graphic with everything pertinent to that weekend's racing event, such as start times, admission prices, divisions, sponsors, and everything that needs to be included to run a great show. I can tell you from personal experience that Justin at Port Royal is very active with answering people's questions that they send on Facebook Messenger seeking information about the track. If you aren't willing to keep up-to-date information and keep the fans informed with the results and all the other pertinent information for your racetrack, you don't really have a right to complain about low fan counts and low car counts. People need that information readily available and easily accessible if they're going to support your events. If you can't do that, then you're not going to be able to operate effectively. Long gone are the days where you hand out paper schedules, open the dates, open the gates, and call it promoting. True promoting requires an entire social media effort to promote events at your speedway. That does it for this week's episode. If you like what you hear, follow us on whatever app you use to listen to your podcast and follow our Twitter page at Live Dirt Updates. Give us a rating and a review, and we would be greatly appreciated. See you next week, right here on Dirt Track Weekly.